gray, known for being a color, famous for being a color, and maybe boring. Nobody thinks much about it, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why gray is secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. Two amazing guests join me this week. Adam Todd Brown is the creator, host, proprietor, and all-knowing, all-seeing leader of the Unpopular Opinion Podcast Network. Unpops is one of my favorite things in podcasting, just full stop. And then Jeff May is so funny as well. He's a frequent guest and sometimes host on that network. The two of them co-host a great podcast called You Don't Even Like Sports. And they did uh, my favorite podcast ever made about baseball great Jose Canseco. Jeff's also co-host of Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. He's the host of Sideshow's Sideshow Podcast from Sideshow Collectibles. And they're both excellent comedians, you know, whenever that is safe to do, a little bit online here and there. And I love these guys. I'm so glad they are on the show today. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and have used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Adam recorded this on the traditional land of the Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge Jeff recorded this on the traditional land of the Keech, Chumash, and Fernandinho Tataviam peoples. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about the color gray, a seemingly boring shade that'll bring us from prehistory to the UK to China to outer space. So please sit back or lean back and look skyward because we all, for some reason, share a very specific idea of who is coming to beam us up. And either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. This is the best. This is is all my Unpops buddies. This is so nice. It's the best. We are the best. Yeah. We're the first and second best minimum. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Guaranteed. Yeah, I shouldn't say all. I like many other people on the network, but it's. I think you mm. disagree. Hard disagree. Yeah, you like no other people. I don't even like Jeff on the network. Oh, I like me. Yeah, that's fine, but I don't. I'm. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like me. But we're uh, we're talking today about the color gray, and with every episode, every topic, I ask the guests, uh, "What's your relationship to this topic coming in? What, what's your, How do you feel about the color gray?" Adam, you go ahead first. I'm a fan, mostly when it comes when it comes to clothing, because it you can wear gray with anything and it's perfect. Beyond that, I'm a I'm kind of a fan of an overcast morning, <laughs> but I don't like when it carries on throughout the day. Like an overcast morning is fine. Uh, beyond that, I don't know if I have that many thoughts on the color gray. The gray album was fun. Danger Mouse, <laughs> Jay Z. Beatles mashup? I would say, yeah, I agree. I have a lot of gray t-shirts. I think it's a good base. I'm wearing a gray tank top right now. Um, it says Taco Bell on it. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> it's branded. It's 
from a place that gets you sick when you eat there. Um, no, I, I do. I, I like gray. I, I will go with what Adam said. He likes a gray morning. I like a gray day. You know, we live in sunny California. So the gray, that's that's the that's a sidestep. And I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, you know, I have an interesting sort of I don't know if it's interesting, but when I was in college, we would have these um, kind of Mennonite style. I don't I think they were like this, like weird sect of 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 a, a vibe of like religion where they would come and they would like preach at us on the way into the cafeteria at dinner. And they, but they would just yell at us about going to hell. And they were called the grays because they refused to wear color. All they would wear was gray. Oh, wow. What part of the world was your college in? Farmington, Maine. So it was at the University of Maine at Farmington in Farmington, Maine. And so they would come there and uh, and, and they would stand up and they would basically proselytize about how we were all going to go to hell if we didn't repent and blah, blah, blah. And the wages of sin is death and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, and then we found out later that this um, this religious sect had these like surges and then fizzles like it would be like really strong and then it would fall apart because without a doubt the patriarch of the entire religion would get caught like sleeping with someone's wife and it would dissolve the (laughs) entire religion and then like a couple years later they would come back Uh, and that to me was just this (laughs) delicious form of irony that they were they were preaching to us about going to hell while he was uh, committing one of the one of the the ten big ones, you know, and and worrying about an eleventh one that's not a big deal at all. Like you can wear colors, it's fine. But he's doing this other thing on the side. Great, you know, it was like that was a big year for yellow. You know, like the like two thousand one, two thousand two thousand one. That was a big <laughs> year for for a lot of yellow, and they really missed out by covering themselves in gray and bonnets and. Sh- <laughs> I didn't think of it when you first asked, but Jeff mentioning the grays, I do have some connection to the color gray there in that uh, I run a conspiracy theory podcast and the grays are a race of aliens that yes. uh, are currently living on earth. We struck a deal with them in the seventies. Uh, it's all, all pretty basic stuff. I'm sure the government's going <laughs> to tell us about it soon. Uh, different grays though, not the ones who wanted to send Jeff to hell, which I do support. You don't know, but <laughs> you don't know that. That's true. They could have been the same grays. Hiding right in plain sight, Adam. <laughs> Imagine if aliens came down here and just became super Christian. <laughs> like, if, like if aliens came here and they're like, maybe this is the way. Yeah. Maybe maybe this Christ is uh, <laughs> is what it's all about. And then they're really frustrating to us because they're like, let me talk to you about Christ. And we're like, I want to talk about you. You're a space alien. And yeah. they're like, no, no, forget me. Yeah. There was a guy 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Like, oh, fine. Like, I want to know about your planet. Yeah. We didn't do the travel thing yet. We, we would like to know more about that. Uh, and so today we're going to get in, into ways that the color gray is secretly incredibly fascinating. And to start that off... Uh, We're going to get into a segment of fascinating numbers and statistics really quick in a segment called Stats, 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 Stats. And uh, that name was submitted by Eric Henriksen. We're going to, if you're new to the show, we're going to have a new name for this segment every week submitted by listeners like you. I want them to be silly and wacky and not very good. Uh, So send your bad names for this to at SIFpod on Twitter or to SIFpod at gmail.com. Jeff, go ahead. Is that to the tune of shots? Yes, it is. Yeah, I think I underdid it. Okay, all right. I might have underdid it, right? That wasn't good enough. I I, I was, well, yeah, but you need to have like the do, 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 do. You got to, where's your, and where's your your DJ? Where's your Lil John voice? You got to do that in Lil John voice. Everybody. (laughs) 
But yeah, these are some quick uh, stats and numbers involving the color gray. And the first number we have is the number two, because that is the number of officially correct ways to spell the word. G-R-A-Y is the American one. And G-R-E-Y is if you speak English in almost any other country. We're just rebels here. Damn right. Another number we have here is the number 12. Uh, that is the number of different shades of what is called space gray that uh, the Apple company has put on their products, according to 9to5mac.com. And they also, them and Reddit, both have really fun rundowns of how Apple has used 12 different versions of something called Space Gray, and none of them are the same. Like, if you buy an Apple product and it's called Space Gray, it's not the same color as most other Space Gray Apple products. That's stupid. (laughs) And not to be that guy, but isn't Space Black? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, (laughs) That's a very good point. This is why I have a droid. I'm not going to get bought into this thing where Apple tells you, that's the thing about Apple is that Apple is a very emperor's new clothes situation yeah. where they tell you a thing so people just are like okay this and that's a that is a trick <laughs> they're telling you everything is space gray because they want you to look at it and they want you to say this is space this is space gray but it's a lie <laughs> just like saying we have the superior OS and you're like they have the superior OS and they don't <laughs> it's a cult It's a total cult. Absolutely, it's a cult. And that space gray thing is a... They are the grays. Whoa. (laughs) We did it. But that space gray thing is a perfect example of a uh, cult indoctrination process where you uh, tell somebody a lie to the point where they have to uh, believe that it is the truth. And then they give you lots and lots of money. (laughs) Ideally. (laughs) That's how cults work. That emperor's new clothes thing is also just... this This is a fun story about the origins of apple making things colors because it's like just a mind game amongst themselves uh, there's a great book called the secret lives of colors by cassia st Clair, uh who's an arts and entertainment writer for a lot of publications um, but she has a story about how like in the early 2000s you know how like those first earbuds from apple looked white and mm-hmm. like a lot of their stuff was white and that was kind of what the aesthetic felt like that was technically either the color moon gray or the color seashell gray, if you looked at like the Apple products catalog or the schematics for it. And it's because Johnny Ive wanted stuff to be white, but Steve Jobs wanted it to be gray. And so the compromise is Johnny Ive made it basically white, and then Steve Jobs just called it whatever shade of gray he wanted to. That's how that worked. <laughs> I'm going to, I don't like Steve Jobs. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. He's a real jerk. <laughs> And uh, a couple more numbers and stats here. One of them is 14,000 BC. And 14,000 BC is the approximate date for the cave paintings at Altamira in Spain, which are some of the oldest human visual art we know of. Uh, And Cassia St. Clair's book makes a point that since it was drawn with charcoal, that's like some of the first use of gray ever. And gray was one of the first colors anyone drew anything in ever. Which I know, it's kind of a fun way to think of the color, right? Usually you think of something else being the fun thing they do. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) If you're telling me that that's the thing, then I'm going to go with you, Alex. I've never disagreed (laughs) with you a lot. So I said it's it's great. And people, I think, just glossed over that wordplay there. I don't don't understand. Uh, Mm, Great. What do you mean? G-R-E-Y. We'll we'll tell Jeff later what it means. We'll catch you up on the show. Put put a sound clip of me understanding that in post. (laughs) There's also 158, which is the number of years ago the first color photo was taken. That was 1861 by James Clerk Maxwell. Uh, and I, I just like conceptually the idea that every photo before we had color photos 
was just a bunch of gray put together. Like that was the only color all photos were in all of the time. I'm just going to put this out there. It seems pretty that there was a color photo in 1861, and yet we were riding out black and white photos for the next yeah. 80 years <laughs> after that. I'll tell you a crazy black and white photo story. I've mentioned this on Unpops before, but my grandfather was a sheriff's deputy in Peoria County. Uh, and when he, when he, oh, in Illinois? Yeah, 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 yeah. When he retired, someone in the crime lab like owed him a favor. And the way he asked for this favor to be repaid was he wanted to take home a stack of crime scene photos. And he did. And for years and years and years, when I was a kid, there was just this stack of crime scene photos, like on the coffee table that I would show to friends to traumatize them. (laughs) And they were like suicides and car crashes, which aren't crimes, but like it was really grisly stuff. And they were all black and white, which made it so much more horrifying. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird way to get favors repaid is to get black and white photos of of dead people. You think? Yeah, he was like, "No money for me. I want, I want snuff photos." <laughs> and then to take those photos to the grandkids and go, "Ah, eh? look what your granddad brought home. Look what grand, <laughs> look what grandpa comes to." It's not like pretty cool, right? It's not like we we had to sneak to look at them. They were just out all the time for years. Can can we look at a dead body? Now we have dead bodies at home. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and uh, and also with that um, color photo, that's a, a good point, Jeff, about like, why did we keep writing out black and white photos forever? Uh, this first color photo by James Clerk Maxwell, apparently, according to National Geographic, what he did is photograph something three times, once through a red filter, once through a blue filter, once through a yellow filter, and then did a bunch of painstaking recombining of those to like create a color image. And so it was a huge, just uh, taxing thing to do. And that, that's why we kept taking a lot of black and white photos, I think, that seems, is that this was like very experimental and hard. That's just cheating. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> that's all that is. He's like, this this is this is the first color photo. It's like, you mean it's the first combination of three photos? <laughs> Literal Photoshop. Right. <laughs> Welcome to my Photoshop. Tipping a top hat. This is this is me just being like it's another emperor's new clothes situation here. <laughs> like I think he just learned that phrase. <laughs> well, and uh, and then one more number here, and that takes us into one of our big takeaways for the show. The number is fifty fifty fifty, and it leads us into takeaway number one. Gray hair is the most misunderstood hair color. I think a, a lot of people are wrong about like where gray hair comes from and how it works and just the whole thing, uh, even though it has like big social ramifications. The, uh, the 50-50-50 number comes from uh, what is apparently the rule of thumb among uh, dermatologists. You know, dermatologists have all kinds of rules of thumb, right? And uh, according to Scientific American, uh, 50% of the population usually has about 50% gray hair by age 50, if you're talking about Caucasian people. So that's 50-50-50. Like about yeah. half of white people have half gray hair by age 50, and dermatologists just tell each other this matching number all the time. Yeah, if I if I grow my facial hair out, it's very gray. But You got that salt and pepper. <laughs> yeah, but the, the hair on my head, what's left of it, it's not. I have no, nothing in, in the top of my head as far as gray hair, but every time I go to trim my beard, there's just one new guy. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, I got some kind of curse. 
where it's like every time you shave it, there's going <laughs> to be a new one until it's full of them. <laughs> and it's very common for people to get it like some places at some times and it can be as early as your 20s and that's totally normal. And it's because the thing that happens is uh, the average human head has 100,000 to 150,000 follicles, which is the thing under the skin that then generates the hair. And uh, if you get gray or white hair, it's because the follicles stop producing melanin. It also turns out that hair, according to Harvard Health, Dr. Robert H. Schmerling, uh, like once we grow a hair, that hair doesn't actually change colors. It's just that we shed it, and then the next hair from the follicle is the gray one if the follicle has stopped doing melanin. Uh, so your hairs don't actually ever change colors. You just replace them with something new that your your head is doing now or your body's doing now. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by that thing where a person will go through some traumatic event and just have a patch of gray hair the rest of their life. I knew a guy. My ex-girlfriend's uh, brother was uh, he was involved in like a police chase or something and next day had a patch of gray hair and he's always had it. Oh man, I've only cuz I've only heard of like crazy. The urban legend version of that or the historical legend where it's Marie Antoinette, like there's a historical urban legend where Marie Antoinette is going to be executed the next day, so overnight her hair turns white because of just the total stress of I'm about to die. As far as the like stress gray hair thing, it, uh, apparently this is also a Harvard Health thing. They say that stress cannot directly cause gray hair, but it can be a factor for a lot of conditions, uh, especially a common one called telogen effluvium, where your hair sheds a lot faster. Uh, and so with that condition, your hair sheds three times faster than normal. So you could get a kind of thing where a bunch of stress happens to you, causes this condition, and then when a bunch of hair comes back, uh, it's all it's all gray looking. And yeah, and also like uh, timing of gray hair, it's basically all genetic because uh, because even if you shed your hair faster or slower, the the switch in your follicles, it's basically just from genes. That's kind of what how the f- does Harvard Health know? <laughs> Can you f- have it? Yeah. What, do you think you're better than me? Yeah. How about you find a better source before you go refuting my anecdotal evidence about my <laughs> ex girlfriend's brother? What's Breitbart got to say about it? Yeah, yeah. F and J-O. <laughs> uh, and then there's also like uh, just some interesting cultural currents going on around gray hair. And one is that uh, like the old trend was to dye your grays and erase them. And now people are kind of picking gray hair. Uh, a lot of fashion magazines are talking about the granny hair trend. Uh, and also in 2019, the L'Oreal company uh, did a press push where they said silver is the hair color of the year. And silver is just fancy gray. That's just like a like an Oakland Raiders version. That's money gray. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mercedes gray. You know what I'm talking about? There's also, there's one story I love here that comes from uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And, you know, I'm always talking about the Chinese Communist Party. It's what I do. Now we're getting into some reliable sources. Right. <laughs> card ca- card carrying card carry member, Alex Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apparently just like socially and and politically among the the top leaders in that party there's kind of a thing where there's an emphasis on the men keeping up youthful black hair like it's a lot of people dyeing their hair all the time um the bbc beijing correspondent celia hatton uh, says that the politicians have quote dark suits red ties and identical helmets of jet black hair and that's just like what you do if you're up there in the party that's so hot it's just like shoe polish (laughs) like that like that pitch black, they look like a bunch of um, like greasers. Yeah, <laughs> like Fonzas everywhere. <laughs> I'm into that. 
Also, the New York Times says that it was pretty noticeable and and a, a big deal in the country when Mao and also Deng Xiaoping both allowed themselves to like uh, go gray publicly late in life after they were retired. Quote, but more recently, as the party promoted a collective leadership model to spread power more evenly after the strongman days of Mao, flawless black hair joined the sickle and hammer as part of the communist uniform. End quote. Uh, and these are Western sources, but it, se- it seems to be a thing where there's huge pressure in this one specific national government to, like, die away gray hair or else you're bad at your job. It, it is a very funny sort of thing when you look at f- foreign to us governments versus what we have going on where it's like, this guy's got gray hair, he's got gray hair. You know, that's, you know, Bill Clinton had a shocking head of, like, salt and pepper to white hair. And then they look at that and and just the sort of gaslighting to believe that a consistent series of 65-year-old men all have beautiful jet plaque Lego hair yeah. <laughs> uh, is, is fascinating to me. It's just like this cultural gaslighting of, of believing that that's even remotely possible. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of how I feel like we are never going to have a president with a beard again. Like when? When was the last time? I don't know, man. We got to get like it's a, been a long, long time. Was it, was it like was it Grant? Uh, yeah, Who yeah. Knows? The last facial hair was a hundred years ago. I want Trump to do it. I want Trump to grow a goatee. <laughs> Just see how see how the world reacts. It's like a Star Trek villain. Yeah. Yeah. Or give. Yeah, that would be really just a big evil goatee. <laughs> Shave his head. Or like l- lightning bolt sideburns going down the side of his head. A couple earrings. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, and, uh, and we're joking about like, oh, what if our leaders suddenly look different? But also the other thing with this China story is that that has a little bit happened specifically with gray hair coming around. Uh, there was a time in 2013 when uh, a retired premier uh, like appeared in public with gray hair and apparently it blew up Weibo, which is sort of the Twitter-ish site in China. And that's even though this retired premier was 85 years old. They were like, oh, my God, can you believe it? We can see him with gray hair. Freaky. Um, And then the other thing is uh, the current leader, Xi Jinping, is someone who is now going around with some gray hair, and it is national news. Like the CNN headline was gray leap forward. Just a fun pun (laughs) about hair. And then uh, the New York Times interviewed like a bunch of people in the country, and these are some of the man on the street quotes they got. He's very humble. He's not afraid to be himself. Uh, another person said it makes him look like he works harder, that he's laboring day and night. A member of the People's Congress was like speculating publicly when asked, like, why has he gone gray? And the member said, quote, our country is so big, he needs to manage all sorts of things. And it's very hard, <laughs> which is like like it's like a sea change that, oh, somebody who's a leader has gray hair. They must be like totally different from anyone we've had before. But also, what's anyone in China going to say in a man-on-the-street interview about Xi Jinping? Oh, sure. He's going to be like, well, this is because he works harder than anybody who's ever lived. Please don't <laughs> bulldoze my family to the ground. I guess I guess the other takeaway might be he's publicly gray because his power is unquestionable. Sure. Yeah. Like, that might, that might be the, the situation. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. And good, uh, you know, he must like it. Uh, but anyway, I think you were just going to say good for I was, him. I, I was leading there, and then I realized, no, it's not not good for him. Uh, it's, I mean, it's great for him, Alex. Try to keep it a positive. It's maybe not good for the world. It's literally the best for him. <laughs> I am. Uh, power is a nice little segue here because we're going into takeaway number two out of three. There are three total for the episode. Big takeaway number two. 
gray clothing is all about power. Uh, and it has been for a long time. Like the, the fashion of gray clothing for, especially in Europe and America, uh, it's been all about who has power and who doesn't, which is like a fun way to think about gray clothing, perhaps mm. the most theoretically boring clothing. Who's wearing a gray hat on this podcast? Yeah, oh. with a tiger on it. That's power. I was going to say, if that was a gray tiger, we'd be <laughs> done. Over for you hoes. We'd be just too much power. No, I... Uh, I, I have um, I have a couple of uh, gray suits from the teaching days uh, left over. I, yeah. I enjoyed wearing gray. I mean, it because it, it, gray also provides you that ability to uh, dress up either heavy with the bright colored shirt and then a gray tie or a neutral shirt with a powerful color. Right. Same. So there is that. It does accessorize very well. Well, and there is a, there's also one, one thing that kind of foreground the fashion stuff is that gray is like really good at being no one's favorite color. Um, there are like, I, it's hard to like survey what people's favorite colors are. There's a few surveys I could find that, uh, like there's a 2015 YouGov survey that asked people in 10 countries what their favorite color is, but it only gave people 10 options and none of them were gray. Like it, it's a favorite thing to use as fashion or decor or something, but nobody's like that's my favorite color. So I'm going to wear it. Like that doesn't really happen with the color gray. Uh, and I think it's the, that's like saying, I was going to say, it's like saying your favorite meal is the plate. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like it's just a default thing you do and then you do something else. Yeah. 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 What's everyone's favorite color. I it's uh, blue or red. It's one of those. Oh, dangerous in Los Angeles. Riding both sides of that. (laughs) Mine, Get off the fence, Alex. Pick a side. Mine's yellow. Because I read in a book in sixth grade, there was this line that said yellow is a madman's favorite color. And I've always loved yellow since then. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Ronald McDonald is a psychopath. <laughs> uh, I, I, like a, I like a heathered blue. Oh. Although I will say my favorite t-shirt is a heather gray. A thin yeah. fabric heather gray is my absolute favorite color of t-shirt. But also, like, if you go way back in the centuries, like, gray was truly a default color for a lot of people because gray was the color of most wool if it hadn't been dyed. And so in, you know, medieval times and so on, uh, gray was the color of the poorest Europeans. Like, if you if you can't really afford to dye your clothes, you you wear gray and you, like, are one of those Monty Python peasants. And that that's what's going on with you. Uh, and then the royalty <laughs> made a point of wearing colors because they wanted to be different from that. Like purple. Yeah, yeah. It was expensive because it was made of crushed seashells. Shut up, nerd. (laughs) What did you teach history for many years? Come on. Let me just dust off this. Let me just dust off this sweet, sweet degree. I have my degree framed. I don't know why. What am I going to do with it? (laughs) Am I going to brag? Worcester State College bachelor's degree? Anybody Uh, care about that? I don't have a degree. I mean, I have a degree in street (laughs) knowledge. Well, yeah. I've witnessed the strength of it. <laughs> yeah, that's when you, why you advised me to not wear red and blue. That was very helpful. Yeah. See? That's, <laughs> you were about to witness the strength of that street knowledge. But and uh, so with gray, like I'm glad, Jeff, you brought up suits because there was this huge transition in men's fashion that I think not everybody knows about. Um, there's an amazing podcast called Articles of Interest. It's a fashion-specific show by Avery Truffleman and came out of the 99% Invisible Families uh, podcast. Uh, but she has an episode about suits. And where suits came from. And uh, one of the key things that brought him about was a phenomenon in fashion called the great male renunciation. And this was a a phenomenon where men started saying, 
even though I am an incredibly wealthy king and so on, I'm not going to wear a billion colors and furs and ermines and stuff. I'm going to wear like a few muted things that are really nice and like really perfectly tailored and arranged specific ways. And that'll be my entire self-expression as a European male. And this kind of took off in swept fashion. And so then gray became the color of like high status people. And, And there was that turn in the history of fashion. I used to wear a suit uh, every day when I was a teacher towards the end of the career. I tried out a lot of different things and I I really stuck with the suits uh, towards the end and I loved wearing them. I really did. It definitely does sort of change how people perceive you, especially when teaching in a public school when nobody else would was dressing like that and and to sort of show up. And it it did really have a difference. You, you don't, you don't automatically think it will. Yeah. And then you realize it 1,000% does. And my wow. favorites were, I, I have the, a, a good gray suit, and then I had a, a really, I had a, a charcoal gray suit with like a, like a small pinstripey kind of uh, vibe to it. Right. And uh, the more I look back at that, the more I felt, I feel like that was um, a cartoon person's suit. <laughs> <laughs> right, that small change. You're like, oh, now I'm a Dick Tracy character or something. Like that's all it takes. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm gonna hold up the malt shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was that was this transition because before that, and especially you know up to like the mid 1700s, men would be like, "How many pumpkin pants and furs should I put on? Uh, better keep it to seven. You know, like that. That was how <laughs> the extremes of men's fashion worked. I feel like we need to get back to that. <laughs> When it also all, a lot of it came from one guy. There was a guy named Bo Brummel. He lived 1778 to 1840. And he was a rich London guy uh, who was basically famous for wearing clothes. A guy named Bo Brummel was a wealthy guy? (laughs) I don't believe it. And uh, he also, he was the son of the secretary to uh, Britain's prime minister in the 1770s. So also his dad was like part of the government that lost the United States. Um, But he was, he then became the first English dandy. Uh, Crowds of people would gather outside his house to watch him dress. And unlike the frilly clothes of other men, all he would wear is a white shirt and a dark jacket and tan pants. And that was it. I'm going to need, I'm going to need you to hit a rewind real quick. (laughs) Yes. Did you say that uh, there was like a town full of peeping Toms just watching yeah. him get dressed? Or were they just waiting to see what he was wearing? Or did he just like step outside nude every morning and <laughs> throw on his clothes? Big little floppy dandy <laughs> in front of everybody. So we, we joke about the nude thing. But if I heard this Articles of Interest podcast right, he was like visibly nude at, or very undressed through his window. And people were looking to see how he was going to put on his just shirt and jacket and pants. Uh, and also his pants were, there was a big pants tightness thing with him. And they were such tight pants, he needed an assistant to help him put them on. Uh, and it was supposed to look almost naked when you're wearing them. Like you can see the package mm. very effectively. And, and that, that was his thing. Bo yeah. Brummel. Bring it. <laughs> yeah, I like this guy a lot. <laughs> he has taught, brought us to school and we are still learning. <laughs> Three centuries later, and we are here for you, Bo. <laughs> yeah, because he, uh, like, that outfit of just a plain white shirt, and especially, like, uh, white clothes are a very powerful col- color of clothes, kind of all across history, because it's hard to keep white clean. So you have, like, servants or laundry services or something if you do that. Uh, but, like, white shirt, dark jacket, and tan pants is almost a suit, and it has sort of evolved into the suit that we have today. 
Uh, and it also evolved into like a democracy thing. According to historian Ian Kelly, quote, the dress down issue of Beau Brummel and his friend was sometimes taken as looking in support of or in allusion to American revolutionaries or French revolutionaries, very dressed down, very man of the people sort of look, end quote, which was very rebellious if you're the British prime minister's son uh, or a prime minister's secretary's son, I should say. Uh, you can see how it became an American thing, like between the fashion change taking off and it being seen as democratic. Uh, that's a lot of why we wear suits today in the U.S. Yeah. Or more specifically, black coat, white shoes, black hat, Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> the boys of time bomb. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, that's in the Constitution. Yeah, sure. Is yeah, that, yeah. This is a ra- this is. This is a rancid podcast, right? Because oh. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but and uh, and so ever since then, like gray has been in modern times and democratic times a powerful color. Uh, there's also like a weird counter move uh, that a few women have been able to do to that, where like so many men in power are wearing gray that someone like Margaret Thatcher can wear a bunch of bright colors all the time, and it stands out and it makes a statement. Uh, and there's a article from the New Statesman in the UK that we'll link that calls Thatcher, quote, a jewel-frocked siren in a sea of gray suits uh, and goes on to say things about her, like, making a statement by having very bright fashion. I don't care for Margaret Thatcher, but apparently that's what she did. <laughs> I was like, and that statement is, I'm going to take away all of your liberties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that statement is, look at the camera I just put up on your street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off of that, we are going to a short break, followed by a whole new takeaway. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet. And try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. There's also just a few, a uh, few more quick things about wearing gray clothing, because uh, it's a big thing for uniforms, especially in the 18 and 1900s. And one of those is road teams in baseball. And I I don't know this, but in researching, it turns out that road teams in baseball wear gray because it doesn't show stains as much. Uh, And so when you were on the road and you didn't have laundry machines, that just like made practical sense. And that's where that tradition came from. Like they were eating ribs out on the field. (laughs) Be very careful. Yeah, those days. Yeah. (laughs) The the old salad days of baseball. And you're eating a big 
rack of Coney Island ribs when you're on tour. Right. <laughs> Bring me a hot dog. I'm dying out here in the outfield. <laughs> God, that would have been so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you. They should do that now. Kind of, kind of from that same era. There's also a little known thing of the U.S. Civil War, which is that, uh, like, we think of the Union wearing blue and the Confederates wearing gray, but they didn't really totally figure that out for the first like year or two. Uh, it really took a while for each side to have a specific color they were wearing, especially because cadet gray was the official uniform for West Point, uh, the military academy. And so uh, you ended up in a situation where the Confederates didn't make gray the official color until 1863. And in some of the early battles, both sides were wearing both blue and gray and kind of shooting at the wrong troops. Like, did they put out like a like a press conference about that? Was there like a junket? (laughs) By the way, real quick, dibs on gray. Yeah. How would you? You just have to send one guy to each town to be like, hey, gray. Right. (laughs) Put on gray. Hey, we're we're the Confederates. You'll notice power gray, which is really because a lot of the battles were fought in the South. Right, right. So like they they stole that away jersey ability for the Union. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> well, also there's one other thing with their uniforms where apparently part of why they settled on gray in the Confederacy was that they didn't have a very good dye industry. Like that was mostly in the North, the the factories for that. Uh, and also the Confederates were trying to do like cheap, easy dyes made from vegetables at one point. Uh, but then those dyes would tend to turn yellow in the sun. And so you had some units where the guys, unis started to kind of turn yellow in the middle of the war, uh, which is fun. Yeah. The, the piss army. There goes the, <laughs> there goes the scary piss army of the South. Glad I called out yellow as my favorite color earlier in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. It's the color of a madman. Confederate madman. <laughs> confederate piss man <laughs> they call me good old confederate piss man i'll tell you what yeah there's still a monument to the confederate piss battalion here in california we need to pull that down <laughs> but no one wants to touch it yeah <laughs> yeah stinks <laughs> when well, we got one more big takeaway for the episode and and uh adam kind of brought us into it early on too. takeaway number three grays are the world number one myth about space aliens like we and it's not just those specific zeta reticulans like like a lot basically all of the roots and present day of how we think of space aliens will look in in world culture is a gray guy even though aliens could be anything you know they could be but they are a gray guy <laughs> um but with the aliens there's like there's a couple key sources of almost all alien myths and uh one of them is the Betty and Barney Hill tapes uh they were taking a trip through New Hampshire in September 1961 uh, as they were driving in the middle of the night, they saw lights approaching in the sky, uh, and they claimed they saw bipedal humanoid creatures in the window of a large spacecraft and then can't remember the next two hours. Uh, and hypnosis sessions drew stories out of them about a teardrop head, large eyes, tiny body, gray alien. And this, uh, after repetition, the descriptions started to line up of being the grays, and that's kind of the the main concept that then got applied to the Roswell uh, sighting in 1947 and, and the other key uh, modern UFO stuff. So that's one of the key sources there. Classic episode of Unsolved Mysteries is the Hill tapes. Oh, yeah. Because they recorded them uh, under hypnosis and it was scary. Yeah, because well, Barney Hill starts screaming, right? I remember being bothered by it. Now when I watch old, old Unsolved Mysteries, none of the stuff that scared me as a kid is scary now. I'm not afraid of like they're like we saw we saw a cowboy ghost. I'm like that's not scary. But then, then there's ones like 
the stuff that I didn't care about, like a man randomly drive drove up and shot me in the face. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty scary. I was never, <laughs> I was never afraid of those when I was ten, but now everybody mm. in a car, potential murderer. Yeah, I made a <laughs> kind of a joke earlier about us striking a deal with the Greys, but that is an actual conspiracy theory that's out there in the world that the Greys at some point in the like seventies struck a deal with the U.S. government where we basically built them a lab at this base called Dulce Base. And if you follow that conspiracy theory far enough, it ends with the military finding out that they were doing all these crazy human experiments in this lab. And so we sent a team of Marines in to clear it out, and those Marines lost. And I just want to see that movie. Why Write that movie. That would be yeah. amazing. That would be a great sci-fi original. Right? Maybe Shudder? Shudder original? Right? Are you aching me right now? If Shudder's if listening yeah. to this, is, is Shudder a patron? <laughs> I hope so. Shudder? Come on, Shudder. Shudder. You got to make a creep show, which we appreciate. Now continue to make Adam's <laughs> gray movie. Please. It also, that story definitely sounds like a conspiracy theory because it involves the government funding a science lab. Like, come on, they don't do that. Not anymore. That, that, uh, they don't do that for anybody. Yeah. That'd be well, funny not, if, this like, was the 70s. This is the Carter administration. <laughs> if there was, like, a news article about how, like, the Trump presidency has cut funding to all gray-based science labs, <laughs> and that's how we find out about it. Right. The grays prove climate change, and then they're like, oh, no, done. <laughs> yeah. he keeps calling them illegal aliens and i'm like this is a little on the nose yeah the government does keep trying to tell us about ufos and aliens they just came out again this past week and the pentagon said they have uh off-world vehicles that they are in possession of vehicles that were made not on this planet but they are dune buggies even if wouldn't that be rad <laughs> well alien dune buggy yeah aliens got here on f dune buggies and jet skis <laughs> there's also one other source of like this alien concept where an alien is very gray is hg wells uh, the like 1890s science fiction writer uh he wrote an article for uh, a magazine back in the day and he talked about what he called the man of the year million uh and it was an idea where it's like a basically a the gray's alien style version of human bodies and he claimed that a million years from now quote the mouth will shrink to a rosebud thing. The teeth will disappear. The nose will disappear. It is not nearly as big now as it was in savage days. The ears will go away. End quote. He's the one saying savage. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, and I sent you guys a, an image from uh, an article where it shows it. Like the drawing kind of looks like a gray, but it's from 1893. Man, looks like a f baby. Yeah, that that drawing. I'm just like, man, H.G. Wells is overrated. <laughs> As soon as I as soon as I see that picture, I'm like, man, this thing looks stupid. It looks like a baby and a seal. Yeah, about right. Yeah, <laughs> baby seal. With stupid idiot legs. Yeah, why would we evolve to not have legs? Do we fly? They're like crisscrossed over. You know what this guy's doing? He's doing sprinter stretches. He's stretching out his hamstrings. Oh yeah, lunges. Get those hammies ready. This drawing's like. Let's talk about it for a second because this is like a police sketch artist drawing of somebody if you described it as being like well his head looked like a butternut squash and he was doing push-ups <laughs> and then that's what that's what the guy did so this person has never the artist here has never seen anything that's the only way this picture works i'm so offended that this picture got published wait until we all look like that 
Then you'll be super offended. <laughs> oh, imagine if we're walking around with one <laughs> useless leg draped over another leg that clearly isn't for mobility while we have dumb, <laughs> stupid heads. This doesn't even take center of gravity into play whatsoever. <laughs> Who drew this? We should kill them. <laughs> oh, and the one, uh, the one other Wells description of an alien like this, uh, it's not a humanoid body, but in War of the Worlds, 1897, you don't see the Martians very often, but there's one part in chapter four, the cylinder opens where they say, quote, looking, I presently saw something stirring within the shadow, grayish billowy movements, one above another, and then two luminous disks like eyes, then something resembling a little gray snake about the thickness of a walking stick coiled up out of the writhing middle and wriggled in the air, blah, blah, blah. It's an octopus monster. Uh, but it's like a gray octopus monster with basically a gray alien style head. And in 1897, he's like, hey, here's the first alien invasion story. And it's it's guys like these. That's what's coming. And that uh, templated a lot of people's minds. Well, that's Independence Day famously took that sort of concept and, and rolled with it. If you remember, they had the tentacles and the little glowing discs and the grayish body. And didn't look like that jerk off drawing, though. <laughs> this artist is not going to get away. Uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> that embarrassment. Of an illustration. Did he do it on a dare? I'm going to put this and see if they take it. Who did it? Who paid? What, what magazine was it for? Penthouse? <laughs> right. It was supposed to be attractive. He really blew it. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the, where's the, where's the gens? Where's the genitals? It's what those floppy legs are. Two weird body dongs yeah. crawling towards us. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May for very much helping me still launch this show. It's very early days. Also, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic, Eugène Schuler. You may not know the name Eugène Schuler, even though he was the founder of L'Oreal and one of the founders of French fascism. So how about that? That's pretty wild. Visit sifpod.fun to hear about that and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring the color gray with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, gray hair is the most misunderstood hair color. Takeaway number two, gray clothing is all about power. And takeaway number three, grays are the world number one myth about space aliens. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow our guests. You gotta check out the Unpopular Opinion Podcast Network. Please support them on Patreon or on Supercast. You have a lot of options there. It is one of my favorite podcasting things, period. And it'll bring you so much Adam Todd Brown. We'll also bring you some Jeff May. Check out both of them there and check out Jeff as the co-host of Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on Gamefully Unemployed's podcast network and as the host of Sideshow's Sideshow from Sideshow Collectibles. Your podcast app is your friend for finding all of that stuff or use this episode's links at sifpod.fun. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. 
a great article titled Fighting Gray, Why Do China's Leaders Dye Their Hair? by Celia Hatton for BBC News. A great book titled The Secret Lives of Color, written by cultural historian Cassia St. Clair. Also an incredible podcast by Avery Truffleman with the team at 99% Invisible. The show is called Articles of Interest, and it's episode number 10 of that miniseries. It is titled Suits, and we are hugely in that show's debt for that second middle takeaway of this one about gray clothing and what that means power-wise. Find those and more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Get more Budos into your life by visiting daptonerecords.com. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. See more of Bert's art on Instagram, at Burt Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. And special thanks to everybody listening, because it's, it's very exciting taping this chunk of audio. This is the first chunk of audio I've taped since the show came out, and since it's gone from like being a thing that exists in a vacuum and on a hard drive and now exists in the world. I, y- y'all are so kind and also very fun and also uh, borderline diabolical with the numbers and stats suggestions already. You've blown my expectations away. I'm very excited. Anyway, I'm feeling all kinds of uh, gratitude. And thank you so much for, for making the launch of this uh, just so special and a, a real highlight uh, for me and, and hopefully for you too. And along with that, extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons, because I hope you loved this week's bonus show, and I hope you loved the the previous ones too, and the ones to come. Thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. <laughs>